Well, how great is that? I love, uh, and Nate and I have been talking quite a bit recently about engaging our children in our services, uh, and we think that's very important, not just as an entire church, but particularly in the season we're in right now where our children don't have uh, the level of children's ministry that they normally do. I'm so excited for that. So before I jump into the message today that uh, we're going to be giving, particularly for the adults out of Matthew chapter 6, I want to do something a little different. Uh, and so kids, if you're watching with your families, this is for you. I want to kind of help you understand what your parents are going to be learning today. Now in Matthew chapter 6, that's in the Bible, that's a chapter in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching all his followers how to pray. Now I want you to think, kids, do you know what it means to pray? What, what is prayer? You ever thought about that before? I know I teach my kids, I try to teach my kids as much as I can what prayer is, and prayer can sound like a lot of different things, can't it? Here's a real simple definition for you kids, and this is kind of a summary of what Jesus teaches in this chapter. When you pray, God simply wants you to come to him and share with him what's on your heart and thank him for all the wonderful things he's done in your life. That's pretty easy to do, isn't it? God wants you to come to him, share with him the things that are on your heart or that's in your mind, and to thank him for all the wonderful things he's done in your life. It's kind of incredible. Now, this is the thing about prayer, kids. These are the same types of things you do with your parents all the time. Regularly, when your parents do something wonderful for you, you'll, you'll thank them. You'll say, hey, mom, dad, thanks for loving me that way. Thanks for doing these wonderful things for me. Thanks for, making sh thanks for reading me stories at night, right? You say thanks to your parents. And at the same time, you share with them what's on your heart, don't you? When you're mad or frustrated, do you go to your parents and you share? Man, I just, I feel frustrated about this. Or my sister stole this toy from me and I feel angry. And we go and, and parents are so good in that that they're always listening, aren't they? They always want to hear what's on your heart. Well, kids, look, God is the same way. He wants you to bring your heart to him. And even though you can't see God like you can your parents, because God's invisible, he can see you. And he's always watching you. And he wants, to, he wants you to bring your heart to him. And so you can thank him for all the wonderful things in your life. I want you to think for a second. What are some of the things you can thank God for? If you're a kid, there's so many things you can thank God for. What can you thank him for? What has he done? What, what are the things you have in your life that you just say, you know what, this is so good. Thank you, God. And you can thank him for Jesus. You can say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you. Thank you for, for forgiving me for all the wrong things I've ever done in my life. And then you can share with him. You can tell him the stuff that's on your heart. When you're upset about something or when you come home sad or frustrated or when something bad happens to you maybe, you can go right to God and he loves it. He wants you to share with him. See, here's the thing about prayer. When we make it too complicated, we miss it. It's so simple. We just get to go to our heavenly father. In fact, did you know Jesus used to call God? He used to call him daddy. He used to say Abba. That means daddy. And we just to go before daddy like a loving father and tell him the things in our heart. Kids, do you think you can do that? I want each of you children this week to practice those two things when you pray. I want you to practice thanking God for all the wonderful things he's done in your life and sharing with him the things that are on your heart. You think you can do that? Okay, I know you can. I want you to show your parents how you can do that, all right? 
All right, now, what I want to do, I want to pray over this message. And parents, what you're going to find is that basically you're about to get the exact same sermon with a few more words. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love in our life. Thank you for all the children that are part of our church, that uh, when we pray over them, that even though that they are not getting their regular Sunday school material that they normally get, that they would be being discipled and equipped, and that as a whole church family, we would love that, that we would really celebrate kids and children and families learning this, and the whole of our church coming before Jesus and worshiping you. And so right now as I preach, I pray your words after you. I pray, God, that you would make much of these few moments that we have together this morning to open your word and to study a very important part of scripture where you teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I said to the kids, sometimes we make prayer so complicated, don't we? I mean, we just have this way of humans of taking very simple things and overcomplicating it. We just make it so hard, and then we get down on ourselves thinking, man, I'm not living up to this picture of very advanced prayer that I have in my mind. Sometimes I think we have these images of people that maybe we knew in the past or stories we've heard. And we got this image of prayer, that it's something that we're just not living up to. But at the end of the day, prayer is so simple. And in this passage today, in in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus teaches how to pray, adults, it's real simple. He wants you to thank him for what he's done and share with him what's on your heart. If our kids can do that, I know we can do that. And we don't need to overcomplicate it. When it comes to prayer lives, I've found as a pastor that there's a number of different places that people are in their own walk with God when it comes to prayer. And I'm hoping that even as I begin to walk through some of this, that the Holy Spirit is bringing about a level of conviction in your life as you think about your own prayer life. This is nothing you need to be ashamed of as a Christian if your prayer life is not where you wish it were. But it is something that you should be striving to excel at. What we want to see, and I've been sharing this with our men a lot recently, is we want to see progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. In the Christian life, we will never reach perfection until we re- reach glorification. That's after this life. But we want to see growth and taking steps through the course of our life. Some of you are disillusioned with prayer right now. What I mean by that is that you've had a season where you've heard about prayer. You kind of think you know what prayer is about, but frankly, there isn't much prayer going on in your life at all. And you're disillusioned with it. You, you have a hard time going to prayer because, frankly, you haven't seen the fruit of prayer in your life, and it just kind of seems like a waste of time, and so there's not much prayer happening in your life. Some of you have grown stale in your prayer life. Once upon a time, you had a wonderful prayer life that you look back on with fond memories, almost nostalgic memories, and you go back and you think, man, I used to pray really great, and I had this relationship with God, but it's not the same anymore, and, and I don't know, it's just kind of grown stale. It's kind of boring. And some of you right now, frankly, you're thriving. I get to talk to many of you who you have incredible, incredible prayer lives. I mean, you're with the Lord regularly. What I want to say is for all three of those groups, and there's everything in between there, right? Disillusioned, stale, thriving. For each of you, I want each of you to, to consider what does it mean for you to take a new step in faith? What does it mean for you to look at the next season that we're in as a church and that you're in as a Christian and say, how do I take a new step of faith? How do I grow in my prayer life? Because I don't want us to be in the same place one year from now that we are right now. I want each of us to have grown. Because here's the thing, Christianity, fundamentally, and we preach this all the time, it's about a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not a list of laws and and things that you have to do and not do. Yes, 
There's stuff that Christianity and that Jesus says you should do and should not do. Certainly, that's part of the faith. God wouldn't be God if he didn't have a set of morals and virtues that he wanted us to live by. And yet, and yet, it's a relationship. And the key to a relationship with Jesus Christ, a powerful, dynamic, living relationship with Jesus, the key is prayer. It's talking to him. Isn't that crazy how simple that is? You want a relationship with somebody? You want a relationship with Jesus? He invites you through prayer. So I want to go through the Lord's Prayer today. We've, many of you have heard this prayer. If you've ever been in a church before, you've heard this passage where Jesus teaches us how to pray. It's Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 and going through 15. And it's interesting. The Lord's Prayer is actually buffered in a bit of text. And we're going to go through this whole passage. And what we're going to find is that Jesus first tells us two things that prayer is not. So there's two things, prayer is not these. And then there's five things, prayer is. And at the end of the day, it's real simple. Again, prayer is thanking God for what he's done and sharing with him what's on your heart. So let's start with this. What prayer isn't? Number one, prayer is not about your image. It's not about what you look like. Matthew chapter six, verses five through uh, five and six. And when you pray, says Jesus, you must not pray like the hypocrites, because they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, followers of Christ, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, here's what he's not saying. Is there ever a time for us to come together communally and to come out of your prayer closet and pray with others? Of course, we see that all through the New Testament. He's not saying the only place you can pray is in private. He's getting after the heart. And what he's saying is, if when you pray, your main concern is what you look like to others, is on saying the right kinds of words that you've heard a preacher say before or you heard someone else pray and you want to sound like them because you thought they sounded good. And then when you pray, you want to make sure you sound good to other people so that you might kind of feel elevated and they might look up to you. If that's your heart in prayer, wow, have you missed it. (laughs) I mean, really totally missed it. But here's the thing. A lot of people do that. I see that take place in the life of our church. Sometimes folks have a desire to pray with such power and force so that others will see them, not because God's looking down on them pleased with his relationship with them. And Jesus says, be careful. You get your reward here, if that's your aim. There's a much better reward if you make God your sole focus when you're praying. Secondly, prayer is not about simply saying rote or mechanical words. Prayer is not just about saying set, rote, mechanical words. Verses seven and eight read this way. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do because they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he tells us how to pray. What's he saying? He says, don't just heap up empty words. You know, sometimes when we pray, uh, we can be going through the motions of religious obligations without actually praying. And you know the number one place where I see this take place? In the Sunday gathering on church, on Sundays. Here's how I see this. When we come together as a church and when we sing and worship, do you know that's a form of prayer? Worshiping, singing from your heart. Man, I'm worshiping my God and my King and thanking Him and sharing with Him. And my heart is on fire for God. But when you go through the motions and you mouth the words as if mouthing the words is what God's pleased with, 
you're doing exactly what Jesus said don't do here. Or when you pray and you're doing the words. You know, you know how I see this all the time? Sometimes we'll, and I've been guilty of this, so right, I'm in this with all of you. It'll be before dinner, and we're going to say grace. And sometimes, you know, there's this really meaningful time of prayer. And I try to lead my family as best as I can every night, having a good time of meaningful prayer before we eat our food. But sometimes something like this will come out of either my or someone else in my family's mouth. God, thank you so much for this food. Amen. And then the hamburger is almost in your mouth before you can finish the amen. And everyone else at the table almost has the fries in their mouth before you can say amen. Jesus says, don't do prayer like that. If you're a follower of Christ, when you connect with the Lord, connect with him. Give him access to your heart. Be meaningful and intentional with how you pray. And then he gives us, how do we actually pray? What do we do? How do we go about actually, what should our prayer life look like? Now, here's what I'll make sure you hear. How, why, are, why can we pray in the first place? We can pray. And, and if you're a follower of Christ, you got to remember this. It's not your right to be able to pray. See, when you pray, you're going before the throne of God. You're going into the presence of the King of Kings, the one who is holy over all things. And that's not your right. I don't get to go into a king's office or into the president's office and just share my heart with him. I'd be cut off before I even got within the building premise. See, and, and, and God is so much higher than any earthly leader. There's no right anybody has to go before that throne. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, he has bridged the separation. His death on the cross gives you access into the most holy of holies. That means you can walk with confidence right up to the throne of God and just present your case before him. It's incredible, and we take it for granted. We think prayer is just our right. You know, everyone should be able to pray. It's not. It's accessible to Christians, because, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, you can go through the blood of Christ right to the throne. So what is prayer? Well, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. And let me read the whole prayer to you. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think there's five kind of themes that Jesus gives us there. I don't think he's giving us a, a, a mechanical prayer that we're supposed to just, that should be what our prayer life looks like. Just repeat these words. It's great to say these words. That's a good prayer to pray, and we should pray that as a church. But he's actually giving us themes in there. The first one is this. The first one is adoration or thanksgiving. He says, Matthew 6, 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When you pray, one of the best ways to begin is to say, God, I, I worship you. I adore you. I want your name to be revered. I want it to be lifted up. I, I, I love you so much. I think such high thoughts of you that I want the name of Jesus Christ, my King. I want the Trinitarian God to be honored and glorified in everything I do say, think, every bit about me, lift up the name of Jesus and make smaller the name of Wraith. Remember John the Baptist used to say that? More of him and less of me. If you start your prayers that way, what happens is it actually, the Holy Spirit uses prayers like that to bring your heart to a place where you're ready to pray. You kind of remember what you're doing. You're going before the throne room of God. 
And remember, this doesn't mean you got to do adoration for 20 minutes before you can get to the next thing. It, the time or the amount of time is not the thing. You will grow in this over the course of your life. What's important is that when you pray and when you get with God alone in your prayer room, that you have a time where you just lift up his name and you say, more of Jesus, you are worthy. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that you are God and that you're holy. And we adore him. It's called adoration. The next thing we see is affirmation. Again, the first thing, remember there's two parts to pray. Thanking God for what he's done and who he is and then sharing with him what's on our heart. We're still in that first category of thanking, but you can affirm God's promises. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus says to pray like that, what he's saying is, my desire, this is how you can pray, my desire is that everything that is God's will, everything that is of Jesus, everything that is holy, everything that is right, everything that is pure, I want that here in my life. And so what you can do is you can almost go through the circumstances in your life, can't you, in prayer? And you can say, God, I want your will. I don't want my will. Remember, not, your, not my name, your name. Not my will, your will. I want everything that is Jesus to be made true. And we affirm God's promises because remember the promises of God. He said it will come true. Remember, Jesus is returning. Remember, he, is, he has established his kingdom and his kingdom is growing through the work of your life. That's amazing. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and you've been sent to build his kingdom and participate in the outgrowth of Jesus's kingdom here on this earth until the day when he returns. And so when you're praying your kingdom come, your will be done, what you're saying is, is you're reminding yourself, man, I have such a tendency to think about my own kingdom, my own desires, my own way of living, the things I want to see happen in this life. And he says, whoa, 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 reframe it. Thank him and affirm all the promises of God that are at work in your life right now. God, would your kingdom come? See, we really believe in the renewal of the city. Did you know that, Park? We don't just say these words mechanically, your kingdom come. No, we are praying. God, your kingdom in Chicago, your kingdom in violence, your kingdom in segregation. We want to see the kingdom of God, that diversity of the kingdom of God made known in our city. We thank him. That's what that is. Those two things, we're thanking God for what he's done. And then we move to sharing with him what's on our heart. The first category of this is petition. Verse 11, he says, give us this day our daily bread. What's that saying? It's saying, well, two things. One, even for our food to eat, we need the grace of God in our life. See, we take it for granted because we live in such a, a, a modern era and in such a Western world where, frankly, many folks, at least in this church, many folks are, are, are not wondering specifically how they're going to get calories in their body today. Many have many real issues in our church that they have to pray on. All, but when we compare it to what's happened throughout history and around the globe, we live in a in a country, in a culture where some of those needs, it's easy to forget to pray for them. And God says, wait, even for the most base needs in your life, pray. A and it's our daily bread. This is interesting. He doesn't say to pray for what's going to come in 20 years. That's good to pray for that. But in this part, he's saying, God, will you be enough for me today? The problems I face in this life, they're so big. They're so challenging. I don't even know how to make sense of half of them. But I know this. You're enough for me today. And here's my needs, God. 
A, B, C, D. They're real needs. I don't know how this is going to work out today. And it's really hard, God. But I'm, I'm asking you, you said pray for my daily bread. And so here's what I need. And we share with him what's on our heart. And we petition him. Will you come through, God? Will you show me how to make this work? Prayer is about confession. Confession. He says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What that means is that we confess to God. Part of the heart of prayer is that we recognize our place before a holy God. We're sinful. Remember, we covered that already in the Sermon on the Mount. We've covered this already. The, when we pray to God and we confess our sin, we're not surprising God. He, he's, he's never looking at you and you confess your sin and he's like, man, I didn't see that coming. Man, what a, what a loser. That's not God. God knows everything about you, and he went to the cross, died for you, shed his blood, rose from the grave in order to make you access, have access to the throne room of grace. When he looks at you, he wants you to share your heart, and so when you screw up, and when you do something that you know your heavenly father is not pleased with, even if it's the same mistake you've been making time and time again, you know what he loves? When you come before him, and you remember that he gives grace upon grace upon grace. It's that good. Remember, once saved, always saved. And we, we, we go back before the throne room of grace and we say, wait, who am I? I'm in Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation. That's my identity. He loves me enough to send his son to die on the cross for me, to fill me with his spirit. And even when I screw up, even when I majorly screw up, I can go before God and share all of it. And you know what God really loves? He loves when you don't just, just kind of give lip service to confession. But when you share the real junk in your heart. I've been convicted of the Psalms recently and the psalmist just regularly. I mean, you're getting to some ugly stuff in the Psalms. But it's the same kind of stuff that you and I feel and experience all the time in our life. You know why? Because the human heart has so much depravity in it and God's not asking you to hide that from him. Confess it. Get it out. Because here's the thing. He is the one that can actually deal with it. He is the one that can actually lead you to greener pastures where your heart gets transformed and you're no longer experiencing some of that yuck inside of it. We confess. Again, all this is a sharing with him. It's being honest with God. We thank him for what he's done and we share with him on his, what's on our heart. And lastly, we share this way. We, we share our need for protection from God. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Each of us are in a spiritual battle. The issues you're going through in your life, they're hard. We do not make light of them. We confess them. We share them with God. And then we say, God, would you protect me? What's going on in my life is real. And I need your spiritual protection in my life. I need it over my family. I need it in my life because I am prone to stumble. I've got this old flesh. Even though I'm a new creation, sometimes I still behave like I'm not. And I'm battling against that. And then on top of that, there's demons that are trying to bring me down and tempt me. And that creates a whole storm inside of my life. God, would you protect me? Lead me today. Be my shield the way you were Abraham's shield. What am I saying? What is Jesus teaching? We thank God for what he's done and we share with him what's on our heart and we don't need to overcomplicate it. Now with all of that, as I close, I think one of the reasons we oftentimes complicate prayer is because we, we approach prayer in our Western world. We approach it much like many people approach a math problem or a chemistry equation or a, a, a problem to be solved. And if we just do it the right way, with the right instructions, then we should receive results. And so we go into prayer with almost this formulaic 
uh, process about it where we're trying to essentially manipulate God to meet our demands. See, when you go into prayer with, with a formulaic response, if I insert this into the equation, I should get this out of the equation. What you're doing is you're trying to manipulate God to do what you want him to do as opposed to going into a relationship with the living God. And many of us are stuck in prayer because that's how we think about prayer. But there's an aspect to prayer that is a mystery. And as a Christian, if you are not familiar with the mystery of the Christian faith, you're missing out. You know, those of us who come from the Reformed tradition, and I would consider myself the Reformed teacher, it's a big, heady theological word, word, but one of the problems with Reformed teaching, it's not a problem if you do it wrong, and it shouldn't be a problem, but one of the problems historically with Reformed teaching is that sometimes you get so systematic in who God is and all the things you got to know about theology that you forget about the mystery of God and the greatness of who he is and the bigness of his kingdom and the, and the fact that even though we've got a whole Bible telling us about the magnificence of God, it's still only a fraction of 1% of all there is to know about God because he's that big and that good. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne room of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Let us draw with confidence into the throne room of grace. Church, I want to tell you, we need prayer if we want to have a healthy church. And I'm convicted deeply that we have had not had enough of it in the life of our church. We need communal prayer. When we look forward to the days ahead, if we're going to rebuild, and frankly, there's a rebuild of the church coming, right? I mean, we, we've had to deconstruct, and now we have to rebuild this community the right way <laughs> from the pages of Scripture, filled by the Spirit. And you know what the foundation of it all has got to be? You know what has to be underneath it all? Almost like the foundation that the bricks get laid on? It's got to be bold, committed prayer. People crying out to God individually and then collectively as a whole church family, laying down before God and saying, we didn't get this right before. There's confession. We weren't enough of a praying people before God. And we need you now, God. Would you give us our daily bread and make us a praying people? Because frankly, we can't move forward without it. I don't want to build up again without a foundation of prayer. I'm asking you to join me in this church. We need prayer. We need to come together in prayer, small groups of prayer. Church is praying, and I need you individually praying. I need you praying for this church. I need you praying for me. I need you praying for your church members because we're going through a lot right now. And God is honored when we bring him our heart. Park, don't overcomplicate this. When you pray, it's real simple. We thank him for what he's done, and we share with him what's on our heart. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We think you're amazing. We want you to be honored. We want the whole world to know the name of Jesus Christ. We want your will to be done. And God, we give you all of our needs right now. We want to share with you that life is difficult. There's hard decisions people are making, but you say you will give us everything we need today. And not to concern ourselves with tomorrow, because today's needs are enough for today. And so God, would you meet every need? There's so much spiritual warfare. God, would you protect us from the evil one? We just simply want to worship you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.